0: Hi, this is Dave Spray, and I just wrapped up a great interview with Johnny Ryan, the former CEO of Alexander Ryan Marine and Safety. Uh, Johnny was a longtime client of the firm until he uh, sold the company to a private equity firm uh, about six years ago, and this is a great interview with a really successful uh, self-made entrepreneur, who really uh, came from nothing, and uh, there's an interesting part in there where he, he passed up the chance to play professional baseball to uh, to go ahead and start into the business world. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed doing it with a, a very dear uh, client and uh, and a very close friend. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Johnny. How's it going?
1: How are you, David?
0: I am doing great, thank you. I appreciate you being a guest on the IC Disc Show.
2: Well, I thank you for having me.
0: So, uh, well, let's get started. We are recording. So uh, I'd like to introduce John Ryan. He's the former CEO of Alexander Ryan Marine. And uh, Johnny has also been a uh, longtime client of ours and uh, also a, a good friend for more than a decade so I first I want to thank you for being on the show but more importantly thank you for uh, for being one of our very first clients and entrusting us to uh, to help you out with some various tax incentives
2: well it, it worked it worked well for both of us David
0: well good so um Why don't we get started with, uh, I like to think in terms of chronological order. So let's start with the beginning. Uh, uh, I believe you're from Louisiana originally, is that right?
2: Born and raised in New Orleans. Um, Went to an all-boy Jesuit high school. uh, And uh, was fortunate enough to play baseball and football there. And I got a full baseball scholarship to Tulane University there in New Orleans. had an opportunity to go to a lot of different colleges uh to play ball, but the baseball coach made a made a pitch to my parents and I that you go to school in the town where you're gonna make your living
1: ah okay
2: that, that worked out until I took a job in Houston,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh it sounded good at at the time you know
0: and i'm sure your parents uh were happy to be able to see uh, uh all your, or many of your home games they probably well, liked it, that too
2: lived at the athletic dorm and and on campus and everything and every it was it was a home away from home so it it worked out well for everybody
0: Well, that's great uh, so the
2: there, go ahead I met my wife there she went to an all girl all girls uh catholic school there in dominican and
0: okay uh,
2: uh, we uh, we we met back in high school and have been together 43 years now.
0: Wow. Well, I've seen Janet. You, you might have been in high school, but based on how much younger she looks than you, she must have been in the third grade when you met her.
2: You are absolutely correct, Dave.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So um, you uh, you went off to to Tulane, played baseball, and uh, what did you study while you were at Tulane?
2: Blondes? No, I'm only kidding.
0: <laughs> well, you ended up with one, so I guess I guess you were studying the right thing.
2: Oh, I I, uh, I thought at the time I wanted to, to. I was in business, and I thought about going in, into minor in history to, to go be a, a baseball coach in college or, or high school. Oh, really? And decided that that was not a, an avenue to take, so I uh, just kept with the business side.
1: Okay, um, but, uh, and,
0: and so that's that's good. And then so when you graduated, um, uh, what what happened then? What was your first job?
2: Well, what happened was uh, I got ready to graduate in May of nineteen seventy four and had a, a a couple of opportunities to go to work with different different people. And I had a a call from a gentleman who was opening up an office in Houston in the oil and gas sales-type position. And so I accepted that job on a Friday. And the following Monday went to work to fill out the paperwork and learn what to do and who we sold to, what type of products we had. On Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, I got a phone call from the Atlanta Braves saying that I had been uh, drafted and they wanted me to show up the following Saturday in Atlanta for uh, orientation. Wow. I had to make a decision uh, whether I wanted a baseball career or uh, accept the, the, the business position that I had and at that at that point in my life I knew some people who were in the minors already and they had been up there for three or four or five years and all of a sudden they would quit baseball at 26, 27, 28 years old looking for their first job
1: Mm
2: -hmm. been working since they were 21 so they were behind the curve. And so I decided that baseball got me a college education my parents couldn't have afforded, uh, couldn't have come close to affording a two-lane. And uh, that's all I wanted from it. So okay. That turned out to be.
1: Well, that is... Uh, I've heard
0: that story before, and I've always found that so impressive. I I don't know many... <laughs> 22-year-old young men who have a chance to play professional sports uh, you know me included who would have the maturity and perspective to be able to pass up that opportunity to uh you know to go into the business world so my my I, compliments to you I for that
2: me always, and always and I made the right decision looking back
0: sure so that's that is just a great story. So you had a lot that happened in a you know in a week's time in May, didn't you? Or ten Very days sh- time.
2: Short period of time that happened.
0: So uh so you you passed up the opportunity to uh to to go to the Braves organization. And uh so what were you doing with uh, with Alexander Ryan when, when you first got started? When you were in got- a sales role?
2: When I first got to Houston, they had an, an older gentleman who was the, the The manager of the office had a secretary here, and then I was the third person in the office. And I was in the morning, I'd make outside sales calls, and the afternoon I would help uh, service inflatable life rafts, which was one of our product lines, Um, and and learn the business from from the bottom up, from 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 the ground roots. Okay. Uh, years later, the j- older gentleman retired, and they gave me an opportunity just to continue running the the office as a, as a manager and then later they may be a vice president of Houston
1: <clears throat> okay so, so
0: yeah be- i'm an- I'm anxious to get to the to the to the good part of this story so so just to the listeners I've already heard this story, so that's how I know where the good parts are. Uh, so I think you were just about to get there, Johnny. What year was it that uh that you made your your fateful decision to become an entrepreneur?
2: Well it, I had worked for him for uh you know, as you know, the oil and gas has many cycles, you know high and low and and we had gone through a couple of good good times and going through some bad times and we in in nineteen ninety. We were getting ready to come out of one of the, the, the troughs that we had. And Bill Alexander was the gentleman who, who was the sole owner of the company. He had no, no heirs. He had no children. Uh, he, he didn't want to talk about stock ownership. He didn't want to talk about profit sharing. He didn't want to talk about certain things. And at that time, I had two young young kids, eleven and eight years old, and my goals were different from his goals at that point in my life. So, I sat down with him at dinner one night and told him that uh, he had been telling everybody that I had built the Houston office to what it is today, and uh, that I would like to buy the Houston office from him. And his first comment was, well, how are you gonna pay for it? I said, well, the easiest thing is if you would finance it. If not, I'll have people get a, uh, a loan. Well, as things would be, he said, okay, you've got 60 days uh, to get a loan. If you don't have a loan commitment, in the 60 days, then we forget this conversation ever went on. Okay. On the 58th day, I got an SBA, Small Business Administration, commitment for the loan. And when I called him to tell him that I got the loan commitment, you could have heard a pin drop. I Uh, bet. uh, But he followed through. He followed through with what we had talked about and agreed to. and. So in November of 1990, we bought, my wife and I bought the Houston office. We changed the name from Alexander Industries Incorporated to Alexander Ryan Marine and Safety. And so I felt that Alexander Ryan Marine and Safety more identified what we did uh, versus Alexander Industries. Okay. So uh, in November of 90, we took over the Houston office. Four and a half years later, he turned to me and he said, you've proven that you can run a company. It's only right that you own the New Orleans office also. So he financed uh, the New Orleans office acquisition for me.
1: Wow, what a, what
0: a great story. So why don't we, uh, let's take this opportunity. What would you say from that, over that five-year period, from 90 to 95, uh, that at the, the beginning of that period, you purchased the Houston operation with an SBA loan until you approved yourself with Mr. Alexander, and then he financed the purchase of the New Orleans office? What would you say in hindsight were some of the biggest lessons you learned from from that time in your your life,
2: Ooh, um, the way I ran the, the way I ran the company, David, it, I, I I would like to, to for people to look at at how I did it. I tried to do it as a family, both on the customer side, on the Employee side and the vendor side. And okay. It, it was a it was a very very close associations of business and friendship, and sometimes those got inter intermingled. But uh, uh, it uh, to me to me you. You have to follow through with what you tell a customer. You have to be able to to move product for the vendors, and and you have to have your your own workforce of, of employees happy and 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 know what direction we're going in, etc. So most of my employees stayed with me for oh, many, many, many years, 20 and 30 years. Ago
0: wow that must that must have made you you must have been proud of that uh, that high retention uh, tenure
2: we we yes we, we it was a very 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 cohesive group, and we could count on each other and that's what that's what counted i guess
0: you know I heard a story, and i've and I've never even mentioned this to you, but it just popped into my head. And i like you to validate whether this is correct or confirm it. I'd heard a story that it, at one point, uh, the company needed larger facility, and you had uh, found a piece of property on the northwest side of town. You were going to move from the southeast side of Houston to the northwest side. And it made a lot of business sense. And from a personal perspective, it was attractive to you, but that your employees uh, did not want to have to make that drive to the northwest side, and that they based on their input, you chose not to relocate the company is that a is that an accurate story
2: That is an accurate story we found a a, a sweetheart deal, a larger facility um, everything that we had been looking for and uh it uh Price-wise, we, we, it was in our wheelhouse. It was uh, everything that, that we needed there. Facility-wise, but uh, some of the some of the some of the employees felt that it was a, a longer drive, a longer commute, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we opted to stay where we were.
0: Which is ironic because for I know for one of the employees. It would have been a much shorter commute, right? That employee being you.
2: Yeah, that was was part of the deal, I guess, uh, that we had to make a a tough decision on.
0: Yeah. Wow. And do you remember what year that was?
2: I don't, David. Okay. It goes back a while.
0: Okay. So yeah, I, I, uh, thank you for confirming that story. I remember I, I heard that story. I don't even remember who told it to me, but it was, it was, uh, it was told in the spirit of, of evidence of how, uh, uh, loyal you are to your, your employees. And, uh, uh, and so it's the second thing that, that struck me. I mean, how many young men would have uh, passed up, uh, their lifelong career being a professional athlete? and secondarily how many entrepreneurs would pass up the opportunity to have a a better facility closer to their residence and defer to the needs of their employees so i've i've always thought that story uh uh is is pretty representative of how you uh how you choose chose to run the company
2: you know, you've got a good group of people and and you you listen to them
0: yeah that is that is great So um, how about if we how about if we go back to from the time that you uh, to 1990, when you uh, with with a day and a half left to go, you purchased the Houston location. Could you talk to me uh, about uh, maybe some of the challenges or maybe you were just such a brilliant entrepreneur? You just had a perfectly smooth line. It just had year-over-year year growth uh, really smoothly, and you never had any challenges. Uh, which, uh, which which scenario was it?
2: Well, <laughs> as I, oil and gas has cycles, you know, good, yep. good stretches and bad stretches. And I felt a gut feeling back in the middle of ninety that we were getting ready to come out of that trough. So. Uh, that's what I made that's when I made my move to to uh, to try to go ahead and buy the Houston office before that cycle turned back up uh, so we could take advantage of of that if if we own the company mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: so at at that point in ninety um, we I, I guess the, the easiest way to describe it was um, when when you count on yourself, you know, when when you bet on yourself, you tend to move a little faster. You tend to uh, try a little harder uh, because it's your it's your neck on the line and your pocketbook out there. Uh, versus someone else's.
1: Sure. Uh,
2: to me, it was it was a timing-wise, we 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 timed the the market comeback uh, to, to that. <clears throat> in uh, in 1995, when we bought the, the New Orleans office. We also made a very, very, very strategic move. We went over to uh, China and asked them for a a lifeboat deal to represent them here in the states exclusively.
1: okay and
2: so we We were laughed at initially. You know, they said, you'll never sell Chinese lifeboats uh, in, uh, in, because Chinese products had a stigma that went with them. Mm-hmm. So what we did, we used our expertise uh, and the information we had in our relationship with the U.S. Coast Guard and actually had the boats U.S. Coast Guard approved over in China. Okay. Uh, So that opened up a very, very large market to us. Uh, Not that many people were in it. Just uh, Just a very slight handful of people globally were in the lifeboat market. Uh, we knew pricing-wise where we fit in, um, so it, it was a it 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 gave us a big shot in the arm uh, by several million dollars a year in sales.
0: Wow, that's uh, I imagine that was significant in those days.
2: And if you remember, David, I think that's how we that's how we got together. We were selling. Lifeboat systems that were built in China delivered them to Korea for drill rigs that were being built for being built for U.S. customers. Um, so it was it was uh, an opportunity for you and us.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, that uh, that 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 it was. So you, you uh, added that Chinese uh, product and that, that relationship in 95 and, uh, and then just continued the, uh, the growth trajectory. And I'm trying to remember, when was like the next down cycle in the oil and gas business? Was it like 01, 99? Was it somewhere in there?
2: Uh, yeah, we had about a 10, uh, five, 5 or Five or seven-year run, and and uh, the thing about it, David, that the industry at that particular point were building new rigs like that, like it was going out of style, new drill rigs, okay. and it took a good two years to build some of these large rigs, so. Even when the, the industry turned down, they had contracts with the shipyards that were building these drill rigs that were still in place. Uh, and so if, you, if we had business with them, it carried on through a period of time.
1: Okay.
0: And I believe that over time... Uh, I believe the repair and the maintenance business I, I I believe the the absolute revenue of that grew over time but as a percentage of the business did that uh, become more significant over time or did that tend to stay uh, as a pretty consistent ratio uh,
2: as as we sold more boats as we sold more boats lifeboats and rescue boats and davits and winches uh, as you as you increased the amount of inventory you had out in the field then the service work also uh, picked up
0: okay so it tended to just grow in lockstep with your 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 install base if you will
2: correct, correct.
0: okay so that uh, you know, that was back in the mid 90s and so uh, now let's get into the to the 2000s, what comes to mind that maybe was one of the next significant uh, uh, changes or events that occurred uh, once we got into the first decade of the new millennium?
2: Well, uh, a lot of things happened back to back. We had a a very short period of time where uh, the Deepwater Horizon issue hit. Yep. Big downturn in the industry, they, they just stopped. There was a moratorium on all drilling and things. Uh, so we, we actually changed from selling life-saving safety equipment to the drill rigs to selling it to the cleanup people. Uh, okay. also, that was that, We still had a market, but it was a smaller market.
1: Um,
0: was that after- 2008 that that happened? Or- 2008 or 9. Do you remember? I
2: believe believe that's correct. Okay. Um, And then uh, when the people escaped the rig from the lifeboat with a lot from when the Deepwater Horizon, you know, a lot of people got off on a lifeboat. We had TV stations do some some special reports from our warehouse with some of the boats and models and things that we had on hand because we were one of the local USA groups that were in the lifeboat business. So we got a lot of exposure uh, through that, that TV uh, special report type thing. Okay. Uh, uh, shortly after that, in 2010, we uh, uh, someone put us up for uh, Entrepreneur of the Year for oil and gas for Ernst and Young. Okay. And they interviewed us two or three times, and came out, and we told a story about where we came from and how we. We, were, we, we, we got to where we are. And ironically enough, the other two individuals who were up for the same award were customers of ours.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: And so it was a, uh, a very interesting uh, dinner that night. Uh, we well, <laughs> had won. We took the award away from two of our customers.
0: <laughs> oh, that's uh, did, did they did they take that uh, uh, in a in a in a grown up fashion or, or did they hold that against you? That, that, that they were you good wanted? guys.
2: Both both of them congratulated me. We were all sitting at the same table and things.
0: That's all, awesome. and that was 2010. Yes. So that then takes us to. Uh, now, what year was it that you made the decision to sell alexander ryan
2: through the let's say from two thousand when 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 they started drilling again after the deepwater horizon incident
1: okay. between
2: then and when I sold the company we we had a lot of interest we 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 were still growing the business. Um, We had gotten to the biggest that we had ever gotten to from a a revenue standpoint. Um, And we had a lot of, uh, several customers, I say customers, I'm sorry, several people talking to us about would I be interested in selling, would I be interested in selling? And I had a couple of of health issues at that point uh and and it was the timing was right to think about that, so my wife and I made the decision. Let's listen to some of the offers okay uh, and when one of the offers got to a point where we felt it was too good to be true um we told them that we would be interested in, in, in cutting a deal. So in, we were supposed to close December of 2012, but because their lawyers didn't want to work over Christmas or something like that, we had to close in January of 13. So in January of 13, we sold out to a private equity firm up in New York. Uh, and, uh, it was, a good, good move for us from a, from a financial standpoint. And, uh, uh, it was, uh, uh in hindsight, uh, timing was impeccable because the, okay. industry, the industry shortly after that had a downturn and, uh, couple of years later in fifteen I think and we would have never gotten what we got for the company had we waited
1: mm-hmm timing
0: is everything isn't it
2: timing timing is is everything
0: so then when you uh when you sold to them um, I believe you uh you uh it was mutually decided for you to, uh, to stay around for some period of time, right? You, there was some yeah, interest, but you a and them.
2: I had to continue running the, the business. And, uh, at, at the end, when I turned 65 in January of 18, uh, we went ahead and, and severed the relationship.
0: Okay. So what, uh, during that period where you were working for the private equity firm. So if I'm doing my math right that you were there you were there five years, right?
2: That's correct.
0: So what was what just what comes to mind as the worst the worst part about no longer running the show? And but but why don't we temper that though with there had to be some benefits to, you know, you know, maybe lower stress or, you know, less less money on the line what's an example of one of the, the best things and maybe one of the worst things about uh, you know, about no longer owning
2: everything well the best the best thing is, is the money was in the bank uh, yeah nothing at risk you had nothing no no personal uh, money at risk The so the worst thing was when you're a private entrepreneur if you have to make a decision or make a a direction change in business you sit down at your desk with a group of people that you trust your confidants in your in your company you sit down you make a decision right then and there and you 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 you, you make the change when you are part of a private equity firm you now have a another layer or two or three of management that has to say yes before you make a decision and that was the toughest change to me
1: sure
0: i've heard that story uh over and over and over by by entrepreneurs that they they Almost always say the same thing that it was it was good to no longer have such a large percentage of their net worth tied up in the company, but uh, it was really frustrating uh, because they'd gotten used to you know making a decision on a Monday morning and having uh, and by the end of the week having made uh, progress uh, uh, in the first week on implementing that decision, but no longer being able to do that uh, you know once it was part of a larger enterprise.
2: I, I can remember sitting in my office on, with the whiteboard, you know, and, and and strategizing on how to how to handle a, a bid or a uh, OTC setup or whatever. And it all of a sudden now that becomes it becomes a committee instead of you know a decision right there.
0: No, believe me, I can understand. I've uh, through the years we've had a number of inquiries in uh in selling expert advisors and uh and I always think of some of the things that I've heard from our clients and other people that have that have sold. And uh at least up until this point the uh that trade off has not been uh that attractive. And uh but at some of that day it uh, it might just be. So uh uh you, you talked a little bit about, uh, about the culture at you know, at uh, Alexander Ryan. Um, what would you say from like the customer perspective, What are some of the things that you would say that differentiated Alexander Ryan from your competitors? What are some of the things you all did real well?
2: We had in-house expertise, That when someone called in and wanted to know something about a widget, we had that expertise on hand. Okay. And be it a lifeboat, be it a life raft, be it a uh, piece of life-saving equipment, We had that expertise on hand. Someone someone within our organization had that expertise to be able to answer that question. We had a lot of instances, David, where customers would call us asking us for advice on how to handle something. Because they trusted that what we told them was correct.
0: Okay, well, I can imagine where that would make you uh, uh, more than just a, a commodity provider of, uh, of safety equipment, but more of a strategic partner in their eyes, huh?
2: Well, and, and the other thing, like I said, there's only globally back then there was only four lifeboat manufacturers in the world of, of, of substance, and we were one of the four. So you you were a player. You had you had a seat at the table.
0: Mhm. That is that is great. Um okay, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Um you know, when you think about in-house, you know, doing stuff in-house versus outsourcing. So I know that you made the choice to outsource uh, some of your your strategic tax uh, planning uh, through our firm as it related to the IC disk and, and some other areas. But um, what do you think about when you're considering doing something in-house or outsourcing it and the follow up? And and is it different if it's something that's just a pure cost, like you're you're trying to outsource payroll, let's say, or versus something where you're outsourcing something that has more uh, of an opportunistic element, you know, like you did when you worked with us. And, and so and you look at them any differently. So what are your thoughts on how you decided what to do in-house and what to outsource?
2: Interesting question, because like the lifeboats, we outsourced those because we had a manufacturer, a plant a factory in China that built lifeboats for Chinese consumption, and we let them build a boat for us to our specifications to meet U.S. Coast Guard. So when when we did that, that gave us an and a, 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 you say outsource, we outsource those lifeboats to China. Okay. On on the, the local stuff, most of the stuff we had were we, we represented manufacturers that were you know made in the USA or uh, major we were their top in their top ten distributors worldwide. Um the other thing, David, that that I, I entrepreneurs run things differently. I guess I never rented or leased anything in my life.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know that. So, so talk more about that.
2: Lease any any vehicle. I did not lease any forklifts or or cranes. I did not lease uh, anything. I I would go ahead and purchase those items. Uh, but there are some people who rent them, who lease them, uh, at the end of three years, turn them back in and renew the lease. I I just, I I was not into that, that thought
0: pattern. And and why was that? If I'm, if I may ask, what, what, what did you see that was the flaw in that thinking for your business and and how you approach things?
2: No, I know it's off, off the books, on the books type, type financing, but to me, if I purchased something, at the end of three years, when that truck was paid for, I still had an asset
1: mm-hmm. that was
2: something. If you lease something, at the end of three years, you turn it back in, you've got nothing.
1: Sure.
0: Well, so did I, that a- go ahead?
2: I, I, I just I was a believer in in acquisition versus leasing.
0: And do you think that during the the downtimes in the industry, do you think that benefited you, uh, you know, as opposed to if you'd had everything leased? Did it give you more uh, kind of downside protection having some equity in those assets?
2: Yeah, I, I when I got ready to sell the company to the private equity firm, all those assets were part of what they bought.
1: Right.
0: Yes, yeah, so if you had been leasing all that stuff, the business would have been uh that much less valuable. That is correct. That's correct. Interesting. I did not I did not know that. Um and so when you are then looking at you know outsourcing some things, uh what do you look for in like a strategic partner? You know, you had mentioned the lifeboat manufacturer, you know, in China. Some of the companies that you, know, you bought from in Houston, you know, one of whom is, uh, you know, is, is a client of ours, uh, has been for a long time. That's that's sold uh, certain products to you. So, what, what, how do you decide the relationships that you want to invest time in, whether it's, you know, a tax consulting firm or uh, a transport uh, prov- provider or a lifeboat manufacturer?
2: a two-way street David okay uh, me you know you they help you and you help them and uh, the more you help them the more they help you and just and just the opposite uh, the more product we sold for individuals the better the relationship was.
0: So, does that mean that your primary focus in these strategic partnerships was not trying to just negotiate you know the very best price and treat it like a zero sum game, or were you more concerned with the the bigger picture
2: um, the much bigger picture because if you squeeze people that's that's a one way relationship right so to me. I know that they're there to make money. They know that I'm there to try to make money. And if you work together, both of you make money versus squeezing one of them to get the best deal at the time.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that
0: makes that makes sense. I I can appreciate that. I don't know if I've if I've told you this before, but one of the most valuable lessons I learned in my business came from uh you know as i mentioned you were one of our very first clients and it came from a project we did that was a uh, a refund project where we we were able to capture some prior years incentives and, and get a refund and i remember we had two uh, fee options uh one you would you know pay us a, a portion of the fee when we started the work and then you'd pay another portion like uh you know at certain milestone and then you'd pay the remainder when the amended tax returns were submitted but then we had another option that you would pay a greater uh percentage of the benefit, but not until after all the work was done and it was a it was a you know significant percentage uh you know it was a material difference like I want to recall that the fee was maybe twenty or thirty percent higher you I remember you took the the back end one and uh you know, that had the least risk, even though you'd end up paying the most in fees. And I remember initially, I was disappointed because, you know, being one of my, my our first customers, I would just assume, you know, get paid sooner than six or nine months later. But uh, But that's what you wanted. So we went with it. And then I remember once we did the work and we were paid, I realized that we ended up making, you know, a lot more money. Because we waited six or nine months uh, to get paid. And that was a really valuable lesson. And ever since then, I've done everything I can to reduce the financial risk of our clients because I, I realized that the more compelling I could make it with uh you know backend loading fees and reducing risk, the easier it was for them to say yes. And it's gotten to the point, we have some clients that, you know, we'll set up an IC disc on January 1st of, you know, 2019, we go all the way through 19. We don't do the work till, uh, you know, the summer of 2020. We don't invoice them till the the fall of 2020 and they, you know, pay us 60 days later. So we have clients that two years pass from when we first start doing work until we get paid. And, uh, and everybody I know in our business just says that's crazy you know CPA firms don't work that way and uh, and they asked me why I do it and I said it's because that's what our clients our clients want they want that risk mitigation and they're more concerned about the risk mitigation than they are the absolute fee that they're paying so anyway I just wanted to thank you for that lesson because I don't know if I ever told you that but that uh that played a huge part in my strategic uh, pricing over the, the, the you know next fifteen or so years.
2: In hindsight, David, looking back, I'd make that same decision today.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm just curious, and for the same reasons, I imagine, just because of the risk mitigation, uh, <laughs> is why you did that. Sure that that uh, that that makes sense. Um. Yeah, and the other the other lesson you you told me that the first few years we worked together I was actually a client or a, a employee of another firm and then when I had a chance to to purchase the business much like you did and I also uh I just realized this when I had a chance to to purchase the business I had a 21-day window instead of a 60-day window to to pull it off but I remember after I did that you were the very first Existing client, I went to to uh inform of the new situation, and uh, and you said you know that was fine, and you'd uh, uh you know, you'd you'd, you'd uh, give you know, give us a you know, give me a shot under the 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 new spin off venture. But you told me something then that also was very uh influential to me. Do you remember what you told me that day when we were sitting in your office in 2009 and I? You That on,
2: your, you on yourself.
0: You did. And, and the other thing you told me is you said you'll never work harder than when you work for yourself. Yep. And you told me that. And so basically you said if you're willing to work harder, then it'll probably work out fine. And if you're thinking you're going to work less when it's your business, then you're, you're going to have a disappointing outcome.
2: That is, that is exactly correct.
0: Yeah. Well, I, uh, I always, uh, I, I always, uh, appreciated that those two big lessons I learned from you. Uh, speaking of lessons learned, what, what advice would you have for your younger self like back in 1990? So think back, like, what do you wish you had known then that, you know, now, and if you had some magic time machine that you could go back and and tell your younger Johnny Ryan, what what might you uh, you tell your younger self?
2: I've got several friends in the industry, in, in, in the industry, in different you know paint industry and, and different things. When we sit down and talk, if there's one thing that if something happens to to me tomorrow, and somebody says, "What do you what do you think about how Johnny ran the business?" I'd like for him to say, "I did it right." Okay. I didn't. I didn't buy business. I didn't uh, take people to. Clubs. I didn't take people to drinks and, you know, I, I, I didn't do all that BS stuff. I, I just like for somebody to say that I did it right uh, in the, in the end. And that, that was more important to me than a lot of things, David.
1: Um, okay. But,
2: uh, we had, a, we had an, an, an instance one time where the client bought four lifeboat systems and about a quarter of a million dollars worth of spare parts for lifeboats. And they opted to, to take care of the shipping from China to, to Brazil. Okay, and um, so they we, we shipped it. They paid us. Everything was fine. And about four weeks later, I get a phone call from this purchasing guy in 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 Houston for Petrobras America, and uh, he called us into the conference room and sat down and told me that we didn't ship the spare parts and that he basically questioned my integrity. Wow. And I stood up. <laughs> the people some some of my people that were with me had to pull me down, but I stood up and I said there's one thing that you will not question. You're not going to question my integrity. And he says, well, you know, we'll have our, our lawyers talk to you. I said, please do. We walked away. About three days later, their, their attorney called me, and we went through the paperwork. He called me back the next day, and he said, Mr. Ryan, you, we agree. I, I agree with you. We received them. We have no idea where they are. They, they disappeared. We're going re, to reorder them again. So it went from a bad situation to a good
0: situation. Wow. And, and you even got to sell the, the parts twice, basically. Twice. Because, because, they, uh, because they lost them. Yeah, well, I know. Go ahead.
2: And the gentleman in purchasing had already fired their logistics people. He didn't tell me that, but he, he had already had other problems. So he had fired the logistics people. He was trying to lay the blame on on the vendors. Oh wow! So then he lost his job shortly after that. So
1: okay. You know, just well, go ahead. Look,
2: looking back, if I had to give advice to to a younger person, do it right. You know, tell the truth, do it right, and and stand your ground. Don't be don't be pushed around don't be but stand your ground if if if, if you know that you you're you're correct
0: that is a uh, is great advice and i tell you as an example of that as we're wrapping up uh i don't know if i've shared this with you but i've had i had a person that you've done business with for a long time uh tell me once that sometimes his relationship with you was frustrating, but that if he was ever thrown into a third world jail, that you'd be the first person he'd call. (laughs) And I was telling that story to another person that knew you and they concurred. And so, uh, so basically I've asked, I've asked Two people that know you, uh, who the first person they'd call if they got thrown in a jail, they said it'd be you. So I guess that's uh, that's proof that you've done some things right. That that's the first call that they would make is uh, is to you. Well,
2: it's it, uh, friendships through the years. It, it yeah. After retirement, I've been retired for two years, I guess now, and a year and a half. And I miss the people i miss sure. the, I miss the customers I miss the vendors uh, I miss the employees yeah i mm-hmm. I, just, I miss that game that that competitive game that that's out there
1: mm-hmm.
0: no i can I can imagine well, as we wrap up i want to talk about one more thing. You mentioned that baseball provided you a uh, uh, an education at Tulane Ver- University that your parents could not have afforded. Uh based on that comment, is it safe to assume that you did not grow up in uh, affluent uh, surroundings?
2: My dad most money my dad made was $38,000 a year.
0: Okay. So y'all were a, a working working uh, family that uh you know, that had to, to, to work for everything you got, right?
2: My mom went and taught grammar school to put me through high school.
0: Oh, because it was a private high school. Right, that, that, that had tuition. So with that in mind, I, I believe, and tell me if this is, is correct, I've, I've, I know that you're a, a person who uh, uh, who is generous, not just with your family and friends, and employees, but that uh, you never forget where you came from. And I believe that you made a gift to your – was it your high school that you made the gift to for the baseball field?
2: Yes, to Jasper High School.
0: Yeah. that And did that happen – was that about the, around the time of the, the transaction or was it uh, before that?
2: It was actually – Actually, uh, before we sold the company, uh, they they brought the, uh, the blueprints over, and they showed me the blueprints, and the high school had no facility of its own. Um, it was, it's, it's an inner-city school that's been there for 150 years. No extra ground or, or any anywhere to put a stadium or, or anything. So they found a piece of property. And they drew these blueprints up, and they were looking for for some some advice and some money. And and the way it worked out is that uh, uh, we we made a donation to them, and they, they actually named the stadium after me. And and it was. It'll be there for a long time, and it, it's a, a very, very, very nice thing to, to have done over there.
1: Sure,
0: and were, were either of your parents alive at that time?
2: No, no, they were gone.
0: I can only imagine how proud uh, for, sh- for sure your mother would have been, right, because she that school mattered so much for her that she, you know, took a job teaching to put you through there. But would you think that both your parents would have been proud that you that uh, you were able to do that?
2: Oh yeah, it' uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty heartfelt. Yes.
0: Yeah, that is great. Well, Johnny, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Was there uh, anything else that we need to discuss that uh, that we didn't bring up? Anything else that comes to mind?
2: Uh, Dave, uh, I, I want to. Thank you for 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 doing this. I think it it's very informative for you and me and and you have you have always been there. You are a friend and, and a and a and a vendor that for us and, and I think the friendship comes first. Uh, you you like to deal you like to deal with your friends, so that's that's what you know, we've always had that that relationship. So
0: Thank you. Oh well, it's uh, the pleasure is all mine, Johnny. I've I've looked for, I've uh, appreciated all the business uh, insight that I've received from you through the years, and your uh, your guidance and mentorship and uh, and friendship. The, the feelings are are mutual. Well, thank you again for uh, for being on the show. If hey, if uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you. Uh, if they wanted to reach out to you, is that something you're uh, amenable to? Sure, sure. Would you Would your email just be the best way for them to reach you? Just have them email you. Sure. And what y- is your your personal email now? Go ahead.
2: Ryan John J O H N three 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 at gmail dot com.
0: Okay, well that's an easy one to remember. Well, awesome. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully, uh, an entrepreneur or two will, will reach out to you. And uh, again, Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. And thank you for your your. Friendship. David, thanks for the opportunity. All right. Have a great day. Here, Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to com. That's icy dash dot com, and we have additional information on the podcast archived episodes as well as a button to be a guest so if you'd like to be a guest go select that and fill out the information and we'd love to have you on the show so that's it we'll be back next time with another episode of the ic disc show